Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hello. Hi, everyone. How are we? We're going to do another throwback. I did hear, I mean, here, I saw on Reddit <laughs> that there was a fight on Ultimate Girls Trip and I know that's not what it's called. And Farah, I guess, called Corey Ghetto because Farah's racist. We all know that, right? Like, Farah is a racist. She has been saying racist things for many, many years, for a very long time. Like, for the last 10 years, she's been publicly saying racist things. So I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised she did that. But I'm going to tell you, after last week, I really just wanted to keep watching these season six episodes. Um, They were really fun. I enjoyed talking about them. So I said, fuck it. I'm just going to keep watching. I did skip one episode and went to the last two episodes of the season. So I skipped the one in between Leah, like, coming home from therapy, (laughs) therapy in quotes, and then her going back again. Um, I like the two episode format. I feel like it gets a lot of good drama when I watch two episodes. It takes me a little while to write notes, but I'm dedicated. I'm dedicated for you. So we're going to talk about season six, episodes 11 and 12. I, I honestly might next week watch reunions, which, (laughs) you know, I'm anti-reunions. You know, that's against my religion. I hate the Teen Mom uh, reunions. Actually, my religion is I hate Teen Mom reunions when people ask me. Uh, Dr. Drew is my version of the devil. So, yes, but that is the famous monkey reunion. So maybe I'll just like watch that segment. I'm actually, I don't know what I'm going to do next week. I'm going to Virginia to my best friend's. Um, So I'm going to record there on Thursday or Friday, and it will be fine. I record podcasts there often when I go because of my sketch. And so I don't know if I'm going to want to, like, watch multiple episodes, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So, oh, before we get started, the little bit of Teen Mom news this week is that Kale and Chris (laughs) got into it, again, as Kale and Chris do, and he got mad at her. I guess he was asking her to do something and she was basically like, all of our communication needs to be via email. Email me. Which I think is probably a good idea. What they really should be using is that like Family Wizard app. Oh, also, Andrew and Amber both took care drug tests and both passed apparently. So that's good, I guess. I mean, good for baby James, right? Um, <laughs> good for them. Family Wizard made me think of them. But that's what Chris and Kale should be using to communicate. But they're not, of course. And Chris got mad at her for this. So when he had Creed over the weekend, Creed and Lux, he cut Creed's hair again. Not his hair again, but he cut Creed's hair. Which, as you'll remember, I drank two Celsiuses today and my heart is like, bum, bum, bum. (laughs) like pounding that was a bad idea I should not have had that second one Ooh, okay if you'll remember the last huge explosive blow up that we know of Chris and Kale is when he took kitchen scissors to Lux's hair and she got home to Dover noticed it got back in her car drove all the way an hour and a half or however long back to Wilmington where Chris lives 
and flew into his home and hit him repeatedly. Uh, police were called. They went to court. Charges were dropped. We don't. We never know what really happened, but that is what is reported to have happened. So, Chris doing this again is. I I want to go through a few things because I want to be really clear with what I say here. I don't want to say that someone is like provoking violence against them. I think that's like a really shitty turn of phrase, and it's not accurate. And so I want to be careful with what I'm saying. But there's like a few things I want to talk about this. Oh, and we know this was done kind of spitefully because just that week, Kale had posted, apparently, I didn't see it, but this is what I, this is what I hear from my sources. But should I start doing like a Katie Joy from Without a Crystal Ball and just start calling everything my source? Being like, sources tell me. And by sources, I mean like I read on Reddit and like somebody posted a screen cap from Instagram. (laughs) I love when Katie Joy does this from Without a Crystal Ball, which If you listen to my Patreon, you know I'm kind of obsessed with not Katie Joy herself, but the people who hate Katie Joy, I'm, like, fucking fascinated by. They are, like, full, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, so they, like, stan Josh Duggar. I swear to God, they are, like, obsessed with the Duggars. They love them. Uh, As of this week, that subreddit now fully supports Candace Owen and Joe Rogan, which I think half of it is that, like, a lot of the people on there, and there's, like, 11 active users, and I think seven of them are... Uh, like older conservative women. So I think they just naturally like Candace Owen and Josh Duggar and Joe Rogan. They don't like Josh Duggar, but they like want Josh Duggar to sue her for defamation, which is just like how you defame a convicted pedophile. I'm not sure, but they they want that to happen. Um, So I think like seven of the 11 active users are conservatives. And then I think the other five users, is that five? I can't really do math. Four? Four. The other four users are like the enemy of my enemy is my friend type of people, very teen momish, and that there always has to be a good guy and a bad guy whenever you're talking about two people. No two people can ever be bad at the same time in their world. <laughs> so they're like fans of Candace Owen. It's it's very nutty. Um, but Katie's thing that she does is she's always like, sources have told me. But like she doesn't I mean she does have sources for some stuff but for a lot of stuff she's clearly reading like the Duggar subreddit and reporting on it so I should start doing that right I should start being like sources have told me oh I know what I wanted to say I hate when Instagram accounts like T accounts or this is really popular in Bravo will like take a screenshot of like a reality TV's Instagram and then watermark it before they post it on their Instagram it's like that's not your content. <laughs> like, that's a screenshot you took. Like, you don't watermark screenshots. That is content that was posted online by somebody else. You only watermark, like, stuff that only you have access to. It drives me up a wall. Anyway, I'm going to start watermarking everything that I post on Instagram. <laughs> Okay, so Kale had posted on her Instagram a receipt from Ulta, and I guess she was talking about the fact that she went to Ulta, she spent $600 on stuff because she's Kale Lowry, and like, God forbid she not spend $600 and post about it, but she was talking about she bought a bunch of stuff for Creed's curls. Um, She also bought stuff for herself. That's how she spent $600. And if you look at pictures of Creed from before last week, he has these beautiful baby curls. They're so, so, so pretty. Um, and she was, like, getting serious about taking care of his curls. He has, like, ringlet curls. Oh, Creed is 
an incredibly cute baby. Creed is also a very photogenic baby. And I've been saying this since he was like six weeks old. I was like, I swear that infant is posing for the camera. Like just something about him. He takes lovely pictures. That He's a very beautiful child. But she posts this stuff. She's talking about how much she loves his hair. And then he goes to daddy's house and a buzz cut is given. It looks terrible. It's so obvious that this was done in the home. Like, he did not take the kid to the barber and get him, like, a nice haircut. First haircuts are a big deal for some parents. And I understand that Chris is a parent, but, like, he's doing this to spite Kale. And I'm not saying that, like, if Kale had gone off on Chris that he would deserve it because nobody deserves to be hit. And Kale can't control Chris's actions, but she can control her reactions, which she proves at this because they've both talked about it a little since then. And Kale basically was like, he was trying to get a reaction out of me. I'm not giving him that reaction. I refuse to give him that reaction. So she talked about it a little, but like, I'm not saying that like if Kale had flown off the handle again and like attacked Chris, that he would have deserved it for doing the haircut. That's not what I'm saying at all. But why would you do the same behavior that caused such a shitstorm of activity and you know upsets Kale unless you are purposely trying to hurt Kale via your children? It's just, it's so fucked up. It's so gross. I think it just shows the exact type of person that Chris is that he would use. And it it's not harmful in the at the end of the day because it doesn't hurt Creed to cut his hair He doesn't even notice, really. He's a baby. I mean, Creed is, what, one and a half years old? Like, he's a baby. But there's just something so sick about physically altering your child in an attempt to, like, instigate a fight with their other parent. It's so gross. Chris is, like, obsessed with doing stuff like this. And Kale still can't leave him alone. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with them. Her and Javi were, like, hanging again a couple weeks ago, and now they're back to fighting. (laughs) Of course. Uh, I mean, I'm proud of Kale that she seems to have, like, learned the tiniest little bit of, I I don't know, like, learn from her past behavior. Is that what I'm trying to say? But she's, like, matured the tiniest little bit that she did not give him the satisfaction of the reaction, at least publicly and or physically. But... Like, she, the fact this fight happened because they were, like, already fighting earlier in the week. Like, this happened because they were fighting earlier in the week. And, like, Kale needs to learn to just, like, totally disengage from Chris. Like, she needs to stop fighting with Chris because they just go tit for tat with each other. And it's so toxic to their children. And right now, Creed's a baby, so he's not old enough to know this is happening. But, like, I worry about what is happening with Lux. Like, what type of things is Chris saying to Lux? I mean, Lux is turning five this year, I think. He's old enough to know what's going on, right? Like, he's old enough. He might not be old enough to understand everything, but he's old enough now. He fully talks. He fully can hear. Like, he understands words. He's not a baby. And I worry, like, when they're cutting Creed's hair to spite Kale... Like, Lux is there. And, like, what is he hearing Chris say about this action? And I just worry for those kids. Uh, Also, Kale, her new house is, like, almost done being built. And it's it looks very nice. Um, A lot of the stuff she did, people have given her shit for. But I think the layout looks nice. I like it. 
It's like 4,500 square feet, which is a very big house. It's not, I keep seeing people refer to it as a mansion, which in my opinion, it's not a mansion. It's like a large suburban home. Um, I, she also, she has four kids and her nanny and her nanny son live with her full time is my understanding. And I think that if anybody with four kids that's rich enough would have a house that big, Um, so the house size to me is like, whatever. I'm like, yeah, she's rich. (laughs) She lives in a nice big house. The crazy part to me is that she supposedly, according to her, I guess, on her podcast is not bringing any furniture with her to the new home. She's buying all new furniture. That's wild. It is wild to me. It's one thing to like build your brand to move and then get rid of that house and build your whole new mansion and waste a bunch of money doing whatever. But the idea of like buying all new furniture when you don't need new furniture is so wild to me. It's such a waste of money. It's so wasteful. I I like what's she doing with all of the furniture in her Dover house? I don't know. Maybe she's going to try and rent that house out furnished. I I have no idea. It's so weird. It's so weird. She is like truly the perfect example of what in AA would be called a God-sized hole, which I don't agree with that phrase necessarily. I don't think you need spirituality to fix it. But the the idea is like you have this God-sized hole in your soul or your heart or whatever, and you're constantly trying to fill it. And alcoholics and drug addicts fill it with alcohol and drugs. Um And then non-alcoholics and drug addicts fill it with other things. And I think for Kale, it's like buying houses, buying furniture. Like she's just constantly trying to fill something within herself that uh, cannot materialistically be filled. And I wonder if she's ever going to figure that out. Mm, Kale, Kale, Kale. Okay, let's get started on this throwback episode. I think that's all the news for the week. Oh, where should we start? I guess we'll start with Chelsea, who... (laughs) Rewatching these episodes, I know that I said this last week, but thank God her and Cole worked out because if not, like this would have been torture for Aubrey. Chelsea got so fucking lucky <laughs> that Cole turned. I mean, not lucky because she picked Cole and stayed with Cole for a while because he was a good person and she saw the goodness in him and his values and his uh, like how responsible he was. Clearly, like, she saw those things, but oh my god, in this episode, this is full, like, Adam is dead, Cole is Aubrey's dad now. Like, like, literally, that's how they're talking. They're talking as if Adam has died, and he has not died. And I get, I get why Chelsea feels this way, and I get why she wants to do this, but oh my god, am I, like, slow down. And the fact that nobody in her life is, like, you need to slow down is also concerning. Like, not even Randy. Randy's like, oh, well, it's really good that Aubrey thinks Cole's her dad now. (laughs) And I get that they're happy, that Chelsea's happy, but they have not been together for a year at this point, and they're already talking about how Aubrey no longer views Adam as her dad and views Cole as her dad. I mean, Aubrey's not saying that. Chelsea's saying that. It's... It's really, like, kind of shocking to watch. I think in my head, I was like, I don't think Chelsea was that bad about it. I think I probably overreacted. And at the time, I was, like, being too harsh on Chelsea. 
And I'm rewatching this and I'm like, maybe I wasn't harsh enough on Chelsea, honestly, when watching this. Like, maybe we all should have been harsher on Chelsea because this is like unhinged the way that she's handling this. So it's Father's Day in the first episode. And Chelsea announces that Aubrey has chosen to draw a card for Cole. I'm like, oh, cute. Like, that's cute. That That's nice, I guess. Once again, you've not been with this man for a full year. This man does not live with you. And you're having your daughter look at him as such a father figure that she's choosing to make him Father's Day cards. But okay, sure. You know, sure, sure. Okay. Um, So she, like gets a card from Aubrey and she's like, give this to Cole. And Aubrey doesn't want to. She's embarrassed, which I don't really think says. At first I was like, oh my God, it's obvious that Aubrey doesn't want to give it to Cole. But then I like made myself stop and think for a minute. And I don't think it really says that much. I think Aubrey's four, right? Or five. I think she's five in this season. Like Aubrey's five. She's just acting like a five-year-old. And I'm like, okay, okay, that's cute. She drew him this card. Chelsea like wrote out what she wanted to say on the back, like what Aubrey wanted to say. And it's like, you're very funny. I'm so glad you're here. Like, it's a really sweet card. I'm like, that's nice. And Chelsea gives it to him. And then a little later, she says, I asked Aubrey if she wanted to make a card for you. And she said yes. And I'm like, (laughs) oh, (laughs) okay. And this, I noticed this whole episode. It's Chelsea declaring things that Aubrey has said or done. And then we find out that actually she got Aubrey to do it. And even a little later, like she's asking Aubrey all of these questions. And then we see her like talk about it with Chelsea Grace. And she's like, well, you know what Aubrey said? I'm like, well, Aubrey didn't really say that. Like she always acts like Aubrey is volunteering this stuff in regards to Cole. And she never is. And I'm not saying that Aubrey doesn't love Cole and that this is not authentic because I think Aubrey does love Cole and she's happy that Cole is there and they're happy with their new little family. And I'm not saying that's not real, but there's definitely an element of like, Aubrey feels this way because Chelsea is like, do you feel this way? Do you feel this way? Do you feel this way? And so she says yes. And because it makes Chelsea happy. Oh, goodness. Um, So Aubrey's going to her dad's her father's day. And when Grandma Donna comes and picks up Aubrey, she lets Chelsea know that Adam isn't even there, which is so fucked up. Adam decides to take a trip to Denver, which is wild. I this is honestly where Chelsea fucked up. This is where Chelsea really fucked up. She should have once she realized that Adam was not there for his visits, that's when she should have went back to court and got the court to change these visits. Um, I mean, thankfully, luckily, once, I mean, what was that? Just a couple years ago, she, when she was ready to have Aubrey stop having to have visits over there every other weekend, what did they, they went down to once a week, right? Like, they were able to come to the agreement themselves, I believe, between Remember Chelsea just like had the lawyer send a letter and it's like, just fucking talk to Donna. Oh, my God. But the thing with Chelsea is that she's a pussy. (laughs) But if I was Chelsea, if I found this out, I would be like keeping a record of every time that Adam was not there when his parents took Aubrey and going back to court and asking for it to be amended. Like Aubrey can have a relationship with, uh, the lens. It's not that Aubrey shouldn't see her grandparents, 
But, like, Chelsea shouldn't be co-parenting with Adam's parents. There's no need for that. And I think that Chelsea, in retrospect, like, made a mistake allowing Adam's parents to fill that role. And I think that's a mistake that Taylor did not make. Um, If you'll remember, there was an episode where Chelsea and Taylor together, they, like, their families go bowling and they're talking about the Lynns and Taylor's like, well... I found out that, like, Adam wasn't there and that the Lynns were doing stuff that I didn't like, so we stopped sending her over there. We went to court. Like, I think that Taylor did not make that mistake, which is kind of how they were able to eradicate Adam from Paisley's life much easier. And I'm not saying that, like, Chelsea fucked up not getting Adam's rights terminated. I, I don't think it's that. But I think that when she realized that he was not at the visits, she should have asked the court to change things because there's no reason that Aubrey should be going to her grandparents every other weekend. That's a lot like that. It's unnecessary. I mean, it's good if Aubrey's happy over there, but like she should be with her parent, not her grandparents. Like her grandparents shouldn't be like that legally involved in her life. Right. Like at least in my opinion, I think it's good that she's like close with the lens. And I think that you can facilitate that relationship in a healthy grandparent way without co-parenting with them. So Chelsea is at the cabin with Cole and we know they have not been together for a year because Chelsea's talking to Randy and she says this this year is so different from last year. And she's like, because I got my man. I'm like, OK, because you've been with this man for 10 months. <laughs> um, They're talking about how much Aubrey loves Cole. And she's like, well, you know, when we talk about Adam, she says, do you mean my real dad or my first dad? And I'm like, yeah, because you're calling, you're calling him dad to her. You're calling Cole dad to her. That's why she's asking. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and they're having Cole move in in a couple days. And they're like, you know, I think that she's going to want to call Cole dad when he moves in. And I'm like, But why? Why that, like, time is she going to want to call Cole dad? Like, why are you, like, facilitating this idea, Chelsea? She's, like, making it, like, Cole will be moved in and he will be Aubrey's dad then. And it's like, well, no, he won't be. And that's okay. It's okay that he's not Aubrey's dad. I mean, now he's Aubrey's dad as far as we know. But, like, oh, just the amount that they rushed into this. Ay-yay-yay. Uh, She says, I wish Adam could just go away now. We don't need him anymore. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Which, honestly, I don't blame her for. I really, I don't blame Chelsea for feeling this way. But saying it out loud on TV is wild. It's wild. Also, it's not, she says we, but she really doesn't, like, I don't think she's thinking about Aubrey in these moments. And I think it's, I'm, no, in some ways she is, because the instability of Adam is really hard in Aubrey's life. But the fact is that you let, you had a baby with this person, and you let him be Aubrey's dad for the first four-ish years of her life. And even though he was a piece of shit, even though he was in and out of the picture, you encouraged and facilitated this father relationship. Like, Chelsea could have done a lot more to keep Aubrey away from Adam because he was always an abusive, awful person. And I understand that she didn't want to do that. But, like, 
it's one of those things where it's like, okay, so now that you have Cole, you don't get to just say, I want Adam to go away now. Because that's not how it works. Like, this is who Aubrey's dad is. It's Adam. And he's going to be her dad forever. So, and also it's like, just let Cole naturally come in and fill that role. I think Chelsea's like very obsessed with Cole being recognized for his role. And I'm not sure if Cole even needs that. Like, I am curious if, like, at the end of the day, when Chelsea and Cole are in bed, if Cole's like, I really want Aubrey to call me dad. I feel really hurt that she doesn't call me dad. Or if he is like, whatever about it. And Chelsea's like, Cole needs to be recognized for all he's doing for Aubrey. I don't think that's true. I think that's not really like, it's not when you agree to be a step parent, and he's not even agreeing to be a step parent at this point, right? But when you agree to be a step parent, part of your agreement is that like you're taking on a role helping raise a child without the title of mom and dad in many cases. And being a step parent is really hard. And I think in a lot of times it's very thankless and it's a really like lose lose position in many families. It can be, I mean, I think it can be really amazing and beautiful and easily blended totally. And I think it can be really hard. And I think that Chelsea's like obsessed with Cole being recognized for his work and wants Aubrey to recognize that and like Aubrey to award Cole with the title of dad and I just don't think that's needed I don't think it's needed until it's a natural thing for Aubrey and I don't think it could ever be a natural thing for Aubrey because of the way that Chelsea pushes it um and I wouldn't be surprised if Cole was like well I didn't really need it either like I I love Aubrey she loves me I mean I'm sure it's nice when Aubrey calls him dad, considering he's working so hard. But, like, the reality is Cole is the one that does all of the dad work. And in my opinion, that should be enough. Like, the relationship he has with Aubrey should be enough. He shouldn't need to be, like, I'm dad. Aubrey calls me dad as a reward. I don't know if that makes sense. But, um, so Aubrey comes home from her dad's and they're talking and Chelsea's, like, did you talk to your dad on Father's Day? And Aubrey says, no, we called him twice and he didn't answer. And she's like, did you wish you saw your dad more? And Aubrey's like, yeah. And she's like, why don't you tell him that? And I'm like, what? (laughs) I don't know. This is a hard situation. And as a non-parent, like, I really don't know how you handle this. But I feel like why is she telling Aubrey to tell Adam that she wants to see him more when she knows that's not going to do shit. Like, what? I feel like when she's telling Aubrey that, she's basically being like, if you ask him to be around more, he'll be around more. And that's not going to happen. So instead of being like, do you, you should tell your dad that. I don't know. I feel like Chelsea doesn't know what to do here, honestly, <laughs> and is winging it. And she's not doing that great of a job when it comes to how she talks about Adam. And she's like, so are you excited for Cole to move in? And... She's like, because he, like, does this for you and does this for you and does this for you. And then Aubrey says, I wish my dad was going to act like him. And Chelsea's like, you do? Oh, I know. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be nice? But at least you have Coley to do all that. (laughs) And Aubrey says, instead of my dad having all those girls. 
Ooh. By the way, as I've said in every episode, Aubrey is just so fucking cute in these episodes. Her little raspy voice, the way that she talks to Chelsea, I like, oh, she's so, so, so cute. And Chelsea's like, why is that bad? And Aubrey goes, because you said it's bad. <laughs> oh, I love when the kids tell the parents. And it is bad, right? Like, Adam shouldn't have Aubrey around all of these kids. But I love, like, Chelsea really thinking she's, like, getting a win on camera. And then Aubrey's like, well, you said it's bad. <laughs> and then Aubrey's like, well, I meet them and then they're gone forever. <laughs> And this is when Chelsea says, do you think me and Cole will be together forever? What the fuck? Why would you ask her that? She is five years old. What? In this is like what is fucking insane. She in this conversation is saying to Aubrey, isn't it so great that Cole acts like your dad? And isn't it so great that Cole is doing this? And are you so excited for Cole to live here? And then she's like, do you think we'll be together forever? Like, she's not your girlfriend. She's your child. <laughs> like, What is she supposed to say to that? No, no, I don't think you guys will be together forever. Chelsea, what? It is such an inappropriate thing to ask a kid. And it also, it's like, this is why you shouldn't have Cole acting this way. Because, like, your kid still doesn't even know if you and Cole are going to be together forever. I mean, I know at this point, like, Chelsea and Cole, I'm sure, had talked about marriage. And they get engaged, what, within the next year? Like, I know that they are very serious at this point. And I think she knew that he was the one for her and she knew they would be spending the rest of their lives together. And, like, I'm totally fine with that. But, like, doing this thing where you're like, is Cole your daddy? Is Cole your daddy? And then being like, do you think we'll be together forever? It's just, it's fucked up. It's really fucked up. And she's like, do you think, like, Coley's kind of like a dad for you? <laughs> And then she ends the episode with asking Aubrey, is it nice to have a mommy and daddy in the same place? Because you've never had that before, right? You've never had like a mommy and daddy living in the same place. Oh my God. Chelsea, you don't need your child's approval for this. Like you you don't need your child telling you all of this. Chelsea's like looking to Aubrey for validation and that is not the job of a five-year-old. Okay, let's take a quick break and then we'll do episode two. Okay, in the second episode, not much happens. Uh, Aubrey is very sick this whole episode and Cole's moving moving over. He's moving in, even though he basically already lives there, as she says many times. Chelsea Grace comes over and Chelsea's recounting the conversation that she had with Aubrey and she's like... Chelsea or Aubrey said that um, she wishes her dad was like Cole. <laughs> like, that's not really what she said. <laughs> we actually saw this conversation happen, and that's not really what happened. You said, and she nodded her head yes. Oh, gosh. She says it makes her so sad, but she's happy that she has Cole, which, I mean, I'm happy they have Cole, too. Uh, Chelsea just is really lucky. She's really lucky. That Colden ended up being some fucking creep in the end, and that it all worked out. 
Then we get a scene of Adam at his house. His creepy friend Justin is there. Remember that guy that everyone was like, I think he's maybe his sponsor. Nobody really knew, like, what this guy's role was in Adam's life. But he looks like a fucking creep. And they're talking about Father's Day. And he's like, did you do anything special for Father's Day? And Adam's like, oh, not really. I'm like, oh, so you're not even going to tell this guy that you didn't see your children on Father's Day that you went out of state? (laughs) Okay. Little Paisley's there. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize... I kind of forgot that, like, I Taylor, like, went through a much harder time with getting the supervised visits and that he was with Paisley unsupervised a lot more than he was ever with Aubrey, which is probably how, like, Taylor was, once she was able to make moves, she was able to make moves. I'm really happy for Paisley that Adam is not her legal father anymore. Um, and that's really it. They're talking about, like, Chelsea's boyfriend and if Adam has met him. And he's like, well, I don't really talk to him because even if I said, like, hi, I'm Adam, Chelsea would be like, can you believe that Adam said that? And I kind of laugh because that's true. <laughs> like, Chelsea would do that. That that did make me laugh. And that's really it. Episode two wasn't very exciting for Chelsea. Let's talk about Kale next yeah, we'll go to Kale. So her, Kale and Joe are like fighting about child support. Joe really doesn't want her to go to court for child support and Javi does. And she really feels torn in the middle. And I get that. Um, I think that for some people, going to court for child support is unnecessary. And there can be a lot of trust between parents. I think that Kale should have court agreements for everything with everyone in her life. (laughs) I think that Kale does not have a level of maturity for any of her children's fathers to be able to handle non-court ordered agreements. I think that Kale needs a court order very much. Um, So she, we see a scene of her, she's at school, she's in school at this point and she does like a a news anchor gig. Um, that was nice to see. I was like, oh yeah, Kale like at one point thought she was going to have a job that wasn't a reality TV person. I just saw that she's doing a third podcast and look, does Kale have enough to talk about on three podcasts? I don't, I don't think so personally, but does Kale get a lot of listeners and make a lot of money off of her two podcasts? My understanding is yes. So might as well make as much money as you can while you can make it, you know? Don't leave money on the table. She's got all new furniture to buy. (laughs) Oh, goodness. So it's Isaac's last soccer game of the year. And as you'll remember, Javi is the coach. And Joe has Isaac. And he's supposed to meet them at the YMCA for the game. And then the team's getting, like, little medals at the end of the game. And it's the game is at 530. And Joe just doesn't show up. Kale calls him at 5.40 or 5.45 and he's like, where are you? And he's like, I'm at home. And she's like, what? And he's like, isn't the game at 6? And she's like, no, it's at 5.30. So Isaac misses the whole game. He misses getting the medals. Um, They show up after everything is done. I noticed that Joe rolled up in a BMW. This is relevant because of what happens in the next episode. But Joe is driving a new, a new looking for the time. Like his car does not look old. I don't know what year it was, but it did not look old. Um, A new looking BMW. He comes and Kale is rightfully pissed. This would really bother me. And this is something that they end up having issues with for 
like they're still having issues with it. Um, Kale has said that like she can't rely on Joe to get Isaac to appointments and to games. And that was like a big part of her not wanting to give Joe 50-50, which part of that is probably bullshit, right? She just doesn't want to give Joe 50-50. But like she still talks about it to this day. And I believe her. I think that Kale's like very serious about extracurriculars, which is she's probably a little too serious. And she says that's why her and Javi usually get along because they're like both super obsessed with like Lincoln playing football and doing well and that type of stuff and care a lot about that. And she says her, Joe just like doesn't care and he doesn't get Isaac to sports on time. He doesn't get Isaac to activities on time and he doesn't make it a priority. And that's that would really annoy me. Right. Like if I was signing my kids up for stuff and reasonable stuff soccer I understand like at a certain point it's not if you're signing your kid up for like a million fucking things a million things and it's unreasonable to expect the other parent to be able to accommodate that but if you can't get Isaac to soccer once a week like what are you doing that doesn't make any sense so Kale's like uh mad at that. He's not he's not happy. She's not happy. Oh, and as soon as Isaac gets out of the car, he's like, Am I getting my medal? So like clearly he knew there was a game. He knew he was supposed to be getting a medal. And yeah, you just look, shit happens, people make mistakes, but like I understand why this is an annoyance for Kale because Joe moves to Delaware, he makes this big thing about wanting to be involved in Isaac's day-to-day life, and then she can't trust him to get places. So that's annoying. The next day or at some point after that, it's Isaac's preschool graduation, which Joe does not show up for. And Kale's not pleased, understandably. Her and Javi are talking about it, and Javi's so fucking petty. <laughs> like, rewatching these, I'm like, Javi is such an asshole because Kale's like upset about it, and Javi's like, you need to take him to court for child support. He didn't show up, take him to court for child support. I'm like, oh my God. This is why these two are so toxic, because they just, like, encourage each other's pettiness in a really, a really unhealthy way. Uh, Kale does say that Isaac didn't even ask where his dad was, which really says everything you need to know. I think it's probably more likely that up until this point, like, Joe has not lived near Isaac, so he has not come to things. So Isaac's just not used to it yet, but... Yeah, I mean, it's fucked up. It's fucked up to miss, like, two big things in one week or however, like, whatever short period of time that this happened in. So in the next, in the second episode, she goes to drop Isaac off at Joe's and Kale's like, I'm going to take you to court, basically. She's like, I am really mad at you (laughs) and I, I want to go to court. And Joe is like, that's... I didn't know about graduation. And Kale's like, what are you talking about? She said, at Isaac's school, every time you walk him in or drop him off, like you pick him up or drop him off, there's a huge sign that said, like, preschool ending ceremony with the time and the date. I did not tell you because I assumed that you saw the sign, which I think is fair. Um, I don't think it's on Kale to be, like, reminding Joe of every activity that Isaac has. Um if like if Kale is able if Joe has the same access to information that Kale has, then I don't think it's on Kale to make sure that Joe is showing up places. Now, if Joe never went to the school and he would not have seen the sign, of course it's on Kale to let him know. But Kale is under the impression, and Joe even admits that he's seen the sign. Because Joe goes, I didn't know that was her graduation. 
I don't know. Like, could Caleb text him and be like, are you coming to Isaac's graduation? Yes. But also, like, why do we expect women to do that labor? Right? Like, Joe is a grown-up. He can read the sign. He can ask somebody, hey, what does that mean? Is I is that for Isaac? Just like Joe did. Or Kale did. I'm sure Kale saw the sign and is like, is that the graduation? And they were like, yeah. And she's like, okay, cool. Joe can do that. But he doesn't do that. Because Joe is, at this point in time at least, very lazy. Um, they So they start talking about, like, Kale's getting mad. And she wants to fight about this. And Joe does not want to fight about it. And he's like, I just, you're being petty and you need to shut the fuck up. I honestly like physically cringed at this i was like oh he really escalated it i understand that he didn't want to fight with kale but like all he needed to do instead of telling her to shut the fuck up which is so inappropriate he could have just been like kale i'm really sorry i'm gonna do better i understand that you're upset but i do not want to fight with you about this so i'm gonna have to ask you to leave now like he doesn't have to start cursing at her and she's like why are you cursing at me and he says um, because you're an idiot, which is like, once again, it's so cruel. First of all, calling someone an idiot in that way is like really mean. And I don't know if I'm just like sensitive to that because like learning disabilities or whatever. Um, even though I know I'm not an idiot, but I just like in a fight, like, and he didn't even say it like that angrily. He said it like a fact. He's like, cause you're an idiot. It's one thing if you're like, yo, you're being a fucking idiot. Like, there's a way to call someone an idiot that's like not that mean and there's a way to call someone an idiot that's like very cruel and joe did it the cruel way i was like why would he say that and this is when kale brings up child support and she's like well don't ask me to do a favor if you are just gonna spit in my face that's what she keeps saying like about joe not showing up to places which like that's another thing like kale joe is not doing you a favor like i i that's like or Kale's not doing Joe a favor. I, Kale is doing Joe a favor, not going to court. But like, it's a weird tit for tat that are like, it's unequal when she's saying like, I'm going to take you to child support because I can't trust you to come to games or graduation. Like that doesn't make any sense. I don't like I don't I don't see how she gets from A to B. She should just be like, I'm going to take you for child support because I don't fucking trust you. But she she doesn't say that. And I don't know why. Joe is like, I didn't ask you for a favor. And Kale's like, yes, you did. You asked me not to go to court. That's a huge favor. And Joe says, it's not a favor because eventually you won't get any money at all. And he's like, I can't take care of my son if I can't take care of myself. And Kale's like a little taken back at this. She actually calms down at this, I noticed. And she's like, well, you're about to have a baby. So like you need it. You need to get it together. And he's like, I know that's another reason I don't want you to take me to court. And Kale goes, so why don't you get a job if you can't afford it? And this is what Joe says to Kale suggesting how you get a job. Now, I know I've always said that, like, being on Teen Mom is a job. I really don't care if these people have jobs. But, like, Joe, if Joe is not making enough money from Teen Mom to be able to give Kale child support, then he needs to get a fucking job that's not Teen Mom. Like, what What are you talking about? He goes, get a job. <laughs> Is it possible for me to work? Sure, sure. It's always possible for me to get a nine to five. But I'm not going to get like some retail job or some shitty job. And Kale's like, what? <laughs> and this is the difference between Kale and Joe. 
I think that if the roles were reversed, Kale would be like, okay, I'm getting a job. I'm getting a job. I think that Kale, for Kale's sake, like Kale working, I mean, whatever work looks like in her life has never been Kale's issue, right? Like Kale, if Kale lost all of her money today, and I know everybody says she's like an entitled piece of shit, and she is in many ways, but Kale's a hustler. If she lost all of her money today and lost all of her fame, like she would go get a job. She would. Because that's who she is. That's her personality. It's how she was raised. And I think Joe is very spoiled. And he's just not like that. I've read some speculation that Joe is doing quite well in real estate now. And I hope that's true for Isaac's sake. But, like, for many years, he just, like, didn't have a job. Which is fine if Team Mom is paying you enough. But if you're not making enough, then it's time to get a job. Kayla's like, I, what are you talking about? Like, you have to get a job. And Joe is like, if I get a job, I won't be here with Isaac all of the time that he's here. Is that what you want? And Kale's like, if you no, you're already missing stuff. Like, you don't have a job and you don't make it to soccer or graduation. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, gosh. Kale comes home and she apologizes to Javi for cursing at him all the time. She's like, because I realize how stupid it makes me look because Joe was doing it to me and he looked really fucking stupid. <laughs> And they're talking about it. And Javi's like, he needs to get a job. (laughs) Kale's like, I know. And they're like, why doesn't he have a job? Javi's like, I don't understand. He's like, I don't. Javi's like, I don't believe he's financially struggling. And I'm with Javi on this. I like because if if Joe was financially struggling, how would he buy this house in Delaware? Why would he be driving a BMW? V is living there not working as well, I believe. Like, I don't think they're actually struggling. He just doesn't want to have to pay child support. We get a scene of Joe and V talking about this and V starts crying is like, are we supposed to pull this money out of our ass? What money does she want? I'm like, tell your boyfriend to get a fucking job. (laughs) I'm watching this like, am I supposed to feel bad for Joe? Because I don't feel bad for Joe. And she's like, we're pregnant. And it's like, yeah, why are you having a baby if you can't afford to support the first one? Like, God. Oh, God. And the episode ends with them going to see their new house. Uh, Kale and Javi and the boys. Okay, let's talk about Janelle. Oh, I don't, I'm like, who is more drama, Janelle or Leah? We'll talk about Janelle so I can wrap it up with Leah, I guess. Um, So... In the previous episode, Nate and Janelle, like, kind of work things out and they've been hooking up again. And the episode starts with Janelle worried that he's at the gym with Jessica. So she drives to the gym and confronts him. And he comes out and she's like, you won't answer me! And he's like, stop calling me! And does his, once again, the classic, gym time is me time! (laughs) Obsessed with that. You know that gym time is my time, Janelle. (laughs) And Janelle's like, it's not like I was calling a million times. This, these episodes are like pure pathetic, Janelle, like I was talking about last week, where like, it makes me sad to watch her cry in some ways because she's at such a low point that even though I know she is like a horrifically bad person, I feel like if you have a healthy amount of empathy in your heart, like watching someone who's just at that low just be kind of kicked when they're on the ground, which is what Nate is doing to her, is sad. It's the same way I feel about Amber when she's really upset. And I think it's because 
these are genuine. Ah, I just set Siri off. (laughs) It really scared me. (laughs) Siri didn't understand. Um, I think that it's like Janelle is genuinely really upset and I know that she has no control over her emotions and it's just it's hard to watch it's hard to watch someone that's in an abusive relationship be abused um I I mean look Janelle is an abuser too full stop right like she abuses her children first of all um she is in like these toxic relationships where she kind of gives as much as she takes but I believe that Nate like was playing like extreme psychological games with Janelle in a way that like is really hard to watch and just like knowing watching someone that has negative self-esteem like I feel like even saying Janelle has no self-esteem is like an overrepresentation of the amount of self-esteem that Janelle has so watching someone with negative self-esteem just like sob at rejection is hard it reminds me remember when that scene where Nate after they get the ultrasound and Nate's like, you should have an abortion. And she's just like sobbing. Like there are certain moments that I feel genuine sadness for Janelle. And it's not, it's not like I suddenly like Janelle. It's just like, this is hard to watch. I think a lot of it, I think I said this last week, a lot of it is that like, it's very easy for me to identify with that emotion of being in a very toxic relationship and like just really hating yourself and letting them walk all over you and hating yourself for letting them walk all over you. Like I know that when I was with my ex, I like hated myself. I really did. And I hated that I knew that I would, like, let him do anything, essentially. Like, I knew in my heart that I would, like, let him just treat me like garbage and still take him back. And that was such a terrible feeling. And I didn't know how to stop it. And I was just, like, stuck in this cycle that I felt like I had no control over. And everything just, like, felt so spun out of control. And so I think that's, like, just why I identify with Janelle. And the sad thing watching this is knowing that, like, she has not done any work on herself since this, right? Like, this episode is old. This episode is, like, eight years old, I think, at this point. I think this is, like, 2014, 2015. Like, a lot has happened since this episode, and Janelle has only gotten worse. And that's, like, depressing. I'm not sure that Janelle could have ever been a good person. (laughs) I mean, Janelle's racist. Janelle sucks. Janelle, there's a lot of shit wrong with Janelle, besides the fact that she has mental health issues right but like imagine if at this moment where we're watching Janelle had been like um I need help I want to go to treatment I want to go to like long-term extended care treatment mom will you take Kaiser which we know Barbara would have right um or even giving Kaiser to Nate or even convince Nate to give Kaiser up for adoption like If she had been like, I can't do this, I cannot parent, I cannot take care of myself, I'm fucking miserable, I'm addicted to drugs, because she is addicted to drugs at this point. It may not be heroin, but she is addicted to drugs just like she still is. Um, I mean, even if it's just, I'm using just in quotes, weed, I saw some people on Reddit today going on about how like weed is definitely not the issue with Janelle because they smoke weed all day and they're fine. And it's like, okay, but it's the issue for Janelle. Like, Janelle smokes weed from the moment she wakes up until the moment she goes to bed. And that's what I did. And I can tell you for most of us who do that, like, our lives are not good. (laughs) 
I'm like, it's not good. It's not good to be smoking weed like an alcoholic drinks for many of us. Can some people do that? Sure. Absolutely. Can most of us do that? No. And Janelle is definitely a drug addict at this point. I don't know what she's doing besides weed, but she's doing drugs. And we know that she still is. But at this point, she was in the same position. And if she had been like, I give up, I want real help and had like really gotten real help. Her life could be so much better. I don't know exactly what that would look like for Janelle. And I think that her being successful on this show was like such a detriment at this point. Like imagine if at this point she left the show, she went and got help and then she just like lived a normal life, like how different that could have been. And it's sad knowing that like we're watching this and she just gets worse. And like, unfortunately, I do think that Janelle's life is probably reality for most people that have serious mental health and substance use disorders, right? The reality is, is that a lot of people do not get successful treatment and go on to have happy and productive lives. It's just the truth. It fucking sucks, but it's just the truth. But knowing that Janelle is in such a worse place and watching her just sob over how Nate is treating her and knowing that David is lurking around the corner, this is taking place um, literally like within a like she meets David within two months of this being filmed. She meets David almost immediately after her and Nate finally break up. And <laughs> I believe that is in September 2014 that she meets David. Hold on. Okay. She meets him in September 2015 because Kaiser was born in May or June 2000, June 2014. So Kaiser is just like a little bit over a year old when this is being filmed. This is like summer 2015 and she meets David almost immediately after and so, like, knowing that, like, this monster is coming to, like, take her out of this other monster's possession, because I'm, I don't necessarily believe that David is worse than Nathan. Um, I know a lot of people believe that David is worse than, worse than Nathan. I don't know if I believe that. I think Nathan was really bad. I think maybe the reason that David is worse than Nathan is because David doesn't want to leave her and has his... <laughs> has his hooks in her in a way that Nate, like, never did. Like, Nate was always one foot out the door, right? Like, Nate was like, I can leave you at any minute. And I don't think David's like that, which I guess is part of the reason that he's so much more toxic. But they get into this big fight, and Janelle's screaming that she's having panic attacks all day, which is always her go-to, and she drives away crying. Uh, she goes back to the house, Nate comes home and she's just like sobbing and he's like trying to comfort her and being like, you know, I care. And she's like, so are you doing to me what you did to your ex? Which it's such a quick moment, but like, I forgot that she said this. And what she's talking about is the girl that she was, that Nate was living with when Janelle met Nathan because when Janelle met Nathan he was living with a girl named Brianna who had a little baby that was like two or three that called Nate dad and Nate lived with her and he kicked Brie out Janelle moved in and then they got their own a new place together within a month like she knows what's happening she's not at certain times Janelle's not stupid and when she said that like I think what she's saying I mean I know what she's saying is like 
you were still like going back and forth with your ex when you and I met. And then within a month of you and I meeting, like you are fully living with me in a relationship. And like, that's what you're about to do with Jessica. And that's exactly what he did with Jessica. She was, you know, was 100% right when she said that. And he's like, I'm not talking about this. If I'm so bad, why do you want me back? And Janelle says her hilarious line of, so you're going to sleep here with me and cuddle with me and have your boner all up on my back. (laughs) And then Nate takes Janelle's line and is saying, leave me alone over and over and over again. He's like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. And then he calls. uh, He says that he... She's like, I treat you like gold. And he's like, you're trailer trash. You're not special. I'm like, oh, God. I forgot that he would, like, always call her trailer trash. Which is like, if Janelle's trailer trash, trash, so is Nate. Like, what what are you talking about, Nate? Like, you and Janelle are even Steven. You know, like, those two. Janelle, Nate, you are not any better than Janelle at all, ever. So Janelle's just like sobbing, sobbing, sobbing that Nate is so mean to her, which she is. So Barbara comes over and Barbara's talking about the fact that she doesn't want Jace going over there because she can't trust that Nate and Janelle are not going to fight. There was a fight when Janelle was pregnant with Kaiser. Barbara recounted this on a reunion where Nate and Janelle got into a huge fight. Janelle was pregnant and Nate choked Janelle and... Jace told Barbara that he thought that Nate was going to kill mommy. So, I mean, Barbara has a right to be worried, right? (laughs) Like, Barbara's not wrong with that. Janelle goes, you know, it just sucks that we had a baby together. It makes everything so much harder. (laughs) Yeah, no shit, Janelle. (laughs) So, the next time we meet up with Janelle, her friend Chris is coming over, and we learn that Nate came over with jessica in the car and janelle's like i did not want her on my property they get into a huge fight and janelle gets hit by nate's truck i i'm curious how this happened she's kind of vague about it but she did she showed she's a huge bruise like on her back and her butt i'm kind of guessing she was standing in front of the car and nate finally took off i don't i mean i don't know maybe nate did on purpose hit her with his car but we also know that Janelle is the type that would, like, fling herself in someone's in front of someone's car and refuse to move. So they get into this huge fight. Later, Janelle goes to pick up Kaiser, and they get into another huge fight. Uh, Nate tries to get her phone away. They wrestle over her phone. He gets it. He takes it away. She leaves with the baby, and she finds out the next morning via Facebook Messenger, because I guess that's how her lawyer contacts her. <laughs> I don't know. Her lawyer, Amy, messaged her and was like, hey, you have a warrant out for domestic violence. So after this fight, this wrestling fight, as Janelle puts it, which, by the way, I'm 99% sure that this is not the fight between her and Jessica. Because doesn't that happen in the season premiere of season seven when, like, she throws the water on Jessica? That, like, this is a whole different fight. Oh, there's, I'm 99% sure. I'll probably watch that episode next week, the season seven, uh, premiere but or maybe it's 6b i don't know these seasons (laughs) the a and b seasons so janelle has like oh so janelle i she's like i scratched him a little when i got the when we were wrestling and nate went to the police station and press charges for domestic violence 
she's so upset. She goes to see Amy and Amy is like sick of Janelle's shit. She's like, you two are out of your fucking minds. You've had two domestic violence arrests in 90 days. You need to fucking stop. Like somebody's going to step in for the kid. (laughs) You need to learn how to control your emotions. (laughs) Amy really lays into Janelle in a way that was really funny to watch. Um, And Janelle vents to her a little bit, and Amy ends it with being like, you're going to get yourself into something that I can't get you out of. (laughs) Which is hard words to hear from a lawyer, I think. (laughs) So the next episode starts with Janelle being bailed out of jail because she had to turn herself in. Ryan Dolph, her ex-friend, who I believe is still friends with Nate, Ryan Dolph was Gary Head's best friend. I've talked about Ryan Dolph like back when Feathers My Hair started. I think I used to talk about him more because he was a little more relevant. But Ryan Dolph was like a big figure in Janelle's life, like at kind of at like the height of me caring about Janelle. Um, he's I he was like a big weed dealer. Um, I don't know if he still is. He had a sister named Jade who Gary Head would like go back and forth between Jade and Janelle and one year got them both the same thing for Valentine's Day. (laughs) Oh, that was really funny. But Ryan Dolph bails her out and he's like, you two, I talked to Nate and he said he loves you, but you guys can't stop fighting. And I think you both need to just work on yourself. So Nate comes over because he wants to work some things out and get back together, according to Janelle. I don't hear him say that. (laughs) We just hear Janelle's voiceover, but he does not come into the house to be like, I want to get back together. He he doesn't. But also, like, do I believe that Nate texted her and was like, I want to come over because I want to get back together. And then he came over and he's like, you're fucking crazy. Yeah, I believe that. Nate gaslights the shit out of Janelle. It's like hearing him be like, well, you know, I want to be with you, but like, we just can't be together. But like, maybe we can work things out. Like in the last episode when he was telling like, from last week when he's telling her that like they probably have a chance in the future and Janelle's like but are you living with Jessica (laughs) oh he's such an asshole so she's like I want to know why you went to the cops and he's like I never pressed charges and Janelle's like so why does it say in the police report that you went to the uh you went to the police station you made a report you showed them your scratches (laughs) and Nate's like, I just, I just wanted a temporary restraining order. I just wanted one until you calm down. <laughs> like, Nate, what are you talking about? And Jessica comes up and Nate's like, she's just being an awesome girl. And Janelle's like, she can't be an awesome girl. She's a home wrecker. And he's like, you just, you need to not, you need to not blame her. Like, she's awesome. She's so awesome. And Janelle's like, so you left Kaiser with her? And he's like, what? And she's like, when you went to the police station at midnight, you left Kaiser with her. He's like, no, no, I got a babysitter. She's like, who the fuck did you get to babysit? (laughs) And he's like, "Okay, I'm leaving. (laughs) The charges get dropped, of course, because Janelle's lucky court star and Barbara comes over. They have Jace's kindergarten graduation and they're talking about how things are going. And Janelle's in a really grateful mood I guess and is talking to Barbara and is like I just really appreciate everything that you've done for Jace uh, because if not for you Jace would be in foster care and to that I say Janelle Jace would be adopted I mean I guess in some world he could be in foster care because like Janelle would clean up her act for a minute get him back then lose him again but like Janelle Janelle I don't think realizes like 
her rights would have been terminated. If C- when CPS stepped in, if Barb didn't take him, that little new white infant baby would have went to someone's house that was a foster to adopt and they would have worked hard to terminate Janelle's rights. Like they and Janelle was not in a place where she would have been doing court ordered stuff at that point. So when she's like, he'd be in foster care, I'm like, Jace would be adopted. Jace would be in somebody else's family. It was nice to hear her say that, but we all know it doesn't last. Oh, Janelle. All right, let's bring it home with Leah, who has gone to her therapy. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Uh, we get a scene of her call, like FaceTiming the girls from treatment, and Grace has a huge meltdown because she wants to hold the iPad, and I'm like, oh my god, this is a nightmare. <laughs> kids fighting over shit like that is so annoying and like you just you can't really stop it because kids fight about shit like that I mean I'm sure there's a way to in the moment stop it but like kids fighting about dumb shit is so annoying my little nieces will get into fights over imagination games and it's like it's not real it's not real tell her to shut the fuck up she's not like your sister is saying that you're in trouble for doing this but this is not real you're playing a fake game (laughs) kids can be really annoying um, so the girls are, the next scene is the girls are at Corey's and they let them know that Miranda is pregnant. Little baby Remington is in Miranda's baby. I still cannot believe they named that baby Remington. <laughs> oh gosh. We get a scene of Leah at therapy and she's been there for two weeks and she's learning a lot about how to handle her anxiety and depression, which, you know, theoretically is good. So we get a scene of Corey Miranda watching the girls and kind of talking about the fact that they want the girls to be at Corey's full time because they know that the girls are having a lot of issues. They've been through a lot in five years and they feel like they, um, they like, I, and I get it, right? Like they have no structure at Leah's house. They're talking about how the girls kind of have bad manners and they're always pushing boundaries and they want them to be there so that they can like actually work on their behavior, which I think makes total and complete sentence sentence sense. Um, I will say Miranda doesn't come across very well in these episodes, which once again, I said last week is why she's not on the show anymore. But I have a lot of grace for her because I think in reality, family members of addicts, especially like peripheral family members, I can't say that word, peripheral family members. So someone like Miranda, who does not have like a love connection to Leah, look really bad when dealing with an addict and it's not really their fault, right? Like we don't see the emotional terrorism that Leah has caused in her life because that is really what people in active addiction often do. They emotionally terrorize their family members, right? Like they are tornadoes. I hope and I think I've, I mean, I know I have. I've talked on this podcast about how like we don't really talk about like the destruction that happens in families as a result of someone like subjecting their entire family to their substance use disorder and that it's really, really hard to be in that position. And oftentimes you look really bad when we're watching you on TV. You either look like an enabler, right? Like like the Edwards, and we're like talking shit on you for being an enabler. Or you look like a cold bitch like Miranda does. And I think for somebody like Miranda, she's in an extra hard position because it's one thing when you love the addict, right? And you remember the addict beforehand and they're somebody you love. And even if it's your sibling that 
you have like really detached yourself from, there's still an element for most people of love beneath all of the anger. And with someone like Miranda, like she doesn't have that with Leah. I'm sure she wants Leah to be better for the sake of the girls, but she's not coming from this from a place of love. She's like the only thing Leah does in Miranda's life is fuck things up. Right. Like Miranda doesn't get any of the positives of Leah. I mean, she fucks her husband. (laughs) She's irresponsible with the girls. Like I get why Miranda has very little empathy for Leah in this situation. But as a viewer, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch her talk about it because she says like she's like, so Leah's just going to come home and we're supposed to believe she's totally different. Like, a leopard doesn't change her spots. Like, she's going to be the same old. Basically being like, Leah's not going to get any better. Which is hard to watch. It's like, shut the... Fuck you. Fuck you, Miranda. Like, why can't Leah get better? Why can't Leah change her spots? But then when you actually think about where Miranda's coming from, Leah won't even admit she's a fucking drug addict. And they're supposed to believe that Leah's going away for 30 days and is going to come back totally changed? No, that's bullshit. And I think it's good that Corey and Miranda were like... Once she gets home, like, shit's probably not going to be that different. And we're going to have to deal, like, we, even though she went away to get help, like, we still need to step in for the girls now. I think that they were totally right with that. Miranda just does not come across well. And also, like, when we're watching this, like, they're not talking about the fact that Corey and Leah had sex, right? Like, they're not talking about the fact that Corey and Leah had sex when Miranda and Corey were married very early on. And Is that on Corey more than it is on Leah? Yes, a hundred percent. But is Miranda allowed to have boundaries where her husband and Leah are concerned? Yeah, she is. And like the fact is, as I said last week, Miranda is these girls primary caretaker. And it makes total sense that she does not trust Leah. She's worried about the girl's safety and that she's very involved in this. I just she just doesn't come across very well. And like I said, that's often the case. It's often the case for family members of addicts because they're put in a really unfair and hard position where they have to be assholes because they're forced to be assholes. And could Miranda have more grace for Leah? Yes. And could she have said these differently? Yes. I think that Miranda's probably kind of a cold person in general and like just not like a super loving person, which is fine. Um, But I think that if she was less cold and maybe a little more empathetic she would have handled these scenes better and once again it's pretty unfair that we're expecting her to say exactly the right thing about leah having substance use disorder um when she's in probably totally uncharted territory right and like the reality is is that miranda and Corey are the victims of leah's behavior and the daughters are the victims of leah's behavior And they're not going to behave perfectly. So I do have a lot of grace for Miranda in these scenes. Even though when I watch them, I'm like, don't say that, Miranda. (laughs) Don't say that. I honestly think it's good that she got off the show. I don't think she's very good on TV. And it's not really a judgment of her. She And also, she kind of has a resting bitch face and like a, a monotone delivery. So she's just tough. Okay. So Corey and Jeremy uh, meet up to talk about Leah. And basically, Corey's like, so how are things going? And Jeremy's like, we're officially divorced um, or we're about to be officially divorced. And I feel like my old self. And he says, you know, Leah went from normal to a complete 180, you know, that prescription pill problem. 
And Corey's like, the drug, he's like, "Uh uh-huh, it's the drug issue that everybody knows she has that's being swept under the carpet and no one will say where she went. He's like, we're the father for children and we need to know what's going on. Now, I will say the funny thing about watching this is Corey's talking to Jeremy like Jeremy's an involved father and he's not. (laughs) Jeremy's not an involved father and he'll never be an involved father the way that Corey is. And I will say, like, I do think a big part of Corey being an involved father is that Miranda really helps him be an involved father. But he, like, even before Miranda, right? Like, his parents help him. Like, he's been involved since the jump, since day one. So they're talking about the fact, Jeremy says, like, you know, I'm really worried that one day we're going to get a call that Leah has something bad has happened. And Corey's like, every time that I see a story about a bad wreck, I, like, hope it's not Leah, implying that she's driving around Ty. Um, They also talk about the fact that, like, if the roles were reversed, Leah would crucify them for being addicts, which I don't necessarily disagree. Then Corey says some weird stuff about how, like, he was, like, skin and bone sick when he ended things with Leah and then Miranda showed up and she was the pot at the end of the rainbow. And I was like, okay, bud. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Uh, The episode ends with Leah calling her mom to talk about the divorce. And she's like, you know, I'm just, like... I stayed because I would have been humiliated by a second divorce, but, like, I, I'm really ready to be done with this. So, in the second, oh, I think that they, oh, the divorce gets finalized in between that. Leah calls into court from treatment and the divorce is finalized. So, in the second episode, Leah is on her way home from treatment. Um, Corey talks to his dad and basically confirms that he is worried about the girls. They've been through a lot of shit in five years and he thinks they need to be protected. And he says they're not settled unless they're with me, which I think he's right. I think it's good that he went for full custody and we're going to get into, God, I just wish Lee would be fucking honest about what happened in this because I will tell you, Leah comes home um, and she's talked, her cousin Chastity is there in a park because Leah loves to be in a park. And she's like, well, you know, Jeremy was the most responsible during this whole thing. She, He was the one that every time I called, he picked up. And I'm like, okay, but Jeremy didn't have Addie 95% of the fucking time that you're away. Your mom did. Like, what are you even talking about? And she's like, there were plenty of times that I called Corey and he didn't pick up. And it's like, because they have a life, Leah. Because they have a life. And like, they're not revolving their whole life around picking up the phone when it's convenient for you to call when you're in treatment. And, like, I will say, though, I was watching this and I was like, oh, Leah's sober here. Like, she's talking really coherently. Her eyes are open. And I was like, yeah, this is, like, I think Leah is getting high from, like, season one, as I've said. I think that the botched epidural and leaving the hospital with all those pills is probably what sent it, like, into full-blown addiction from dabbling around um, or even, like, kind of an addiction. Like, things were, like, getting bad. And I think the botched epidural, like spun everything out of control very quickly and like but Leah in this scene in the park I'm like she is clear-eyed she's speaking clearly her head is lifted up like she looks sober and then the next scene we get is Leah with a friend in chastity over at her house and she's fucking high I would bet my goddamn life on it I would bet my life on it she is high I invite you all to watch this episode Look at Leah in the park with her cousin Chastity and how she's talking, how her eyes look, how her head is held up. 
that's something that I think is like really noticeable. Like I, this sounds crazy, but like where her head is when she's high, her chin is like pointed down and she's making a physical effort to keep her head in the air. And she's not doing that in the park scene. And they're on her back porch and she is fucking high. Her eyes are barely open. She's slurring her words. She is high. And this is why I want Leah to be honest, because this is what I want to hear about. I want to hear now in 2022 and don't come into my comments telling me Leah doesn't owe me her story. I know she fucking doesn't. But if you're going to tell your story, be honest about it. I don't get on this podcast and lie about my addiction. So don't get on fucking TV or write a fucking book lying about yours. (laughs) Either talk about it or don't. Um, so Leah's like, this is like the actual worst period of Leah's time. The next like year and a half when TR moves in, when everything is out of control and then things get better. And it's such a true story. Like so many people go to treatment and then relapse very soon after treatment, very soon after treatment. So like, I just wish she could be fucking honest about it. And I would love to hear how she did this and like how she came home, she got high and then she got help and or I don't know whatever she decided to do and her life got better. Tell the real story. So she's on the porch and she's like, well, I need to talk to Corey one on one about what's going on. And this is what she has the nerve to say. Fresh out of rehab, she has the nerve to say, you know, the last time I went and talked to him, he was 100% convinced I was a drug addict. And that hurt. To me, that hurt. He was listening to everyone else instead of what I had to say. And her fucking cousin and her friend are like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? And here's the thing. Nobody is perfect when they get out of treatment. 30 days is nothing. And Corey says it. He's like, Leah needs more than 30 days. She needs a year. Which, yeah, Leah needs more than 30 days. But if you get out of a 30-day treatment and you won't even admit that you went in there for drugs you're not getting sober. You're not. You're not getting sober. You're fucked up. And I get she was trying to hide it for TV. But like, even if you're trying to hide it for TV, the fact that she's saying on TV that Corey's an asshole for not believing her and for accusing her of being an addict, like, she is so spun out. She is so out of control. So out of control. I I don't know, like, why her mom was encouraging her to do this, because I'm pretty sure that was what was happening. And her family was encouraging her to do this. But she looks like a fucking idiot. So she texts Corey and she tells him that she wants to meet with him without Miranda there. And Miranda's like, why? Why can't I be there if it's about the girls? And Miranda says it's obvious that she doesn't respect you or me or our marriage. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because they fucked. (laughs) Look, are there things, are there times in which it's probably appropriate for a step parent to not be there? Yes. Um... I do think that. But do I think it's unreasonable for Miranda to want to be there? No, I don't. I also think that, like, I just don't, I don't see why Miranda can't be there. Leah says because she doesn't want to be ganged up on. Um, but Miranda's the one that's doing the primary caring for these girls. And I and if Corey wants her there, I think she should be there. I think that's the thing. Like, if somebody wants their partner to be there, then they can be there. And are there exceptions to every rule? Yes, of course, of course. But like, Miranda doesn't attack Leah. That's the thing. Like, it would be one thing if it was like, Janelle and Jessica who physically fought and she's like, I can't have Jessica there. But like, Miranda doesn't do that. And Miranda does have the best interests of the girls in mind. And that's why I'm like, Leah, give it up. Give it up. She can be there. So they go to meet up and they pull up to the restaurant 
And Leah has her friend and her cousin in the car and they get up there and they see that Miranda's there just sitting like a two tables away, which <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. And that's where Miranda also looks bad because it's like, girl, just get in the fucking car. Just get wait in the car, which is what their friends say. Like, why can't she just wait in the car where she can see? And the thing is, like, if you're not worried about your husband, like shit is wrong in your marriage. But they were working on it. And maybe that's the agreement that they came to. That Corey and Leah aren't allowed to be alone together, which isn't even true because we know that they're alone together at drop-offs and they were at the last drop-off. That's why, like, it's not, I've seen people be like, well, why doesn't Miranda let Leah be alone with Corey? But he does. She just wanted to be there to talk about the girls. I'm team Miranda here, but I also think that, like, they had to know that Miranda coming into this empty restaurant and sitting two tables away would not have gone over. That's (laughs) either sit at the table or sit out the car, you know? Like, don't, don't do this pretend, like, I'm not going to be here, but I'm still right here thing. It, tell Leah no. Tell Leah no, Miranda's going to be there because she's the one that watches the girls. Um, So Leah's like, I'm not going in. I'm not going in. This is ridiculous. They're going to gang up on me. And her friends are like, this is bullshit. And I'm like, oh, God, her friends are fucked up. And so she refuses to go in. And that's how the season ends. Oh, gosh. Leah, Leah, Leah. So, yeah, that's it. Season six, Team Mom 2. This was so fun. If you want to hear more of me, go to my Patreon. Patreon.com slash Liz Explains. I think you'll like it. All right, guys, have a good week. I'll talk to you next week. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.